Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect. Well, we are in the Christmas season, are we not? There's a lot of things that go into Christmas, aren't there? A lot of stresses. You know, you want to get the perfect gift. How many of you guys like getting the perfect gift? Giving the perfect gift? You're stressed out about cooking the duck or the goose. Do we cook goose anymore? I don't know. The turkey. Stressed out about family coming, Aunt Bertha, and all the weird things she's going to say. You got to go to the mall, right? Or no, Amazon. Okay, I get it. But maybe this Christmas season, you're trying to go to the mall. You know, you like the old brick and mortar. Um, Maybe you're trying to avoid the creepy Santa Claus that keeps wanting to take a picture with you, or um, avoid the mall, as some of you I know are. Um, But there's a lot of things that happen during the season, right? It's very busy. And there's a lot of distractions. Sometimes it's hard to focus on things that are important, especially when you have ADD like me. Does anyone else? Well, you don't have to raise your hand. Actually, that's fine. Um, I... Grew up with ADD. I actually still have it. Thanks for asking. Um, (laughs) But I am very easily distracted. I don't know about you guys, but I am definitely easily distracted. Ask my wife. It drives her crazy. There's a story that she always tells to highlight how easily distracted I become. Um, When I was, uh, we were newly wed in love and, you know, dancing through fields of flowers together, (laughs) frolicking, and... Um, but at this point, we were in our apartment or in the house. I, I actually don't remember. That's not really important. I was doing the dishes, and then I stopped doing the dishes. But they weren't done. I just stopped doing them. And I walked over, left the water running, and I picked up a broom, and I started to sweep. And then I stopped sweeping. It wasn't done. I just stopped sweeping. And left a nice pile of dirt in the middle of the floor. And then I went and turned on the vacuum. And I started to vacuum. And then I stopped vacuuming. And you can finish the story. It wasn't done. I just stopped vacuuming. Left the vacuum on. So, and then went to clean the bathroom. And Ashley comes down. Honey, what are you doing? I'm cleaning the bathroom. She looks. The faucet's on. There's a pile of dirt in the middle of the floor. And the vacuum is running. And nothing has been done. So, I get distracted very easily. And growing up with ADD um, wasn't easy, necessarily. School was hard for me. I was not a good student. I didn't really like school. I just wanted to run, you know, and bounce off the walls like my son, Malachi. And, you know, it was tough. And it was, had a lot of challenges that were associated with it. The distraction, the lack of focus, really, it's an impulse issue. It's an impulse control issue. And that caused problems. It caused problems in relationships, you know, because I wouldn't listen. I'd be thinking about something else all the time. Um, so that, that was difficult. It caused problems in my behavior because I didn't have good impulse control. Like I, I couldn't at times stop myself from doing things that were just weird sometimes, you know, like wanting to open the car door 
when you're going like 70 miles down the road, like that, 70 miles an hour down the road, that's kind of weird, right? I don't know, maybe you guys like doing that. But <laughs> I, it, it was really hard for me, and it caused all these problems. And, you know, see, the thing about it is, is that focus is important. Because once you focus on something, inherently, by focusing on something, other things get out of focus. You know, like those pictures um, that you see where one thing is in focus. It's the way our eyes are designed, too. One thing's in focus, and other things in the peripheral or in the background, they get out of focus so that we can see detail. Focus is really important. Focus, when it comes to a person, is about attention. You know, you focus, and what you focus on, you pay attention to. And what I've learned is that what you pay attention to, you have begin to have affection for in the positive way. In the negative way, you may begin to have contempt for. You know, maybe it's an unhealthy preoccupation with something. But focus in a positive way leads to attention. Attention then leads to affection. And affection leads to deep relationship. Affection leads to what you put your trust in. Affection leads to what you find pleasure in. Affection leads to what you desire, what you want. Focus is important. You know, it's easy to get out of focus. We got a lot of stuff going on. Pastor Gill asked me to, as part of my development as a pastor, plan and help implement this series. And as I was praying about it and thinking through it, the idea, the idea came to my mind that during this Christmas season, there are so many things that compete for our attention, that compete for our affection, that compete for our focus, that we can get so distracted by all the different things going on that we lose the very essence of why we are even doing those things in the first place. We lose the focus, attention, affection, and connection with Jesus Christ. The very reason that we're even singing joy to the world, the very reason that we as a nation celebrate this time. And so I thought, how can we communicate that? Well, the idea of refocusing. The idea of taking a look at our lives, taking a look at what's going on, and making a conscious decision to bring our attention and our focus back on the very reason we celebrate Christmas in the first place. And we're going to look at some passages that honestly 
are not the traditional ones. Some of them are not the traditional ones that you would think that we would look at for Christmas. But I think that the places that we're going to go into the scriptures highlight this point about not losing ourselves and all the different things that go on, but moving our attention, our focus back on to Christ. Where our attention and focus should be in the first place. And actually, this season can be instructive because we, it's natural with all the nativity scenes and everything going on and all, you know, people are coming back to church. They're maybe they go to church on Easter and Christmas, you know, that kind of idea. It's a very natural time to start to refocus on Christ, but it's really just a microcosm. So what I mean is it's just kind of a pattern or example of what we should be doing in the rest of our lives. Because this time is busy, um, but life is busy too. There's always stuff going on. And so we're going to look at a passage. And to just give you some context, some understanding, Jesus has done his ministry in Galilee. Jesus started his ministry in Galilee. Galilee was north of Jerusalem. And when he had finished his ministry in Galilee, Jesus set his mind, his heart, his focus, his attention, his actions on getting to Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the place that he was going to go. He was going to confront the religious powers that had distorted the word of God, that had missed what God wanted. He was going to move right into the heart of the beast. He was going to speak against the fake religion that was there against the power structures that held many people in bondage. And then he knew he was going to be persecuted. He was going to be denied. He was going to be betrayed. And he was going to be beaten, tortured, crucified, falsely accused. And then he was going to be raised from the dead in victory. And Jesus had a focus on his mission. And he sets out for Jerusalem. And as he sets out for Jerusalem, we come upon a lot of really interesting stories. Jesus begins to send out people ahead of him into the towns that he's going to go to. He tells them to preach the gospel. He tells them to heal people. He gives them power to heal people, to cast out demons. Jesus is tilling the ground and getting it ready for his arrival. And as he's moving toward Jerusalem, some of the greatest stories in the book of Luke are found. Stories like the Good Samaritan, where Jesus is questioned and he explains what it means to love our neighbor truly, to take advantage of the opportunities that God gives us. And directly after We have this section of scripture about the Good Samaritan. There is this small story. It is only a few verses, and yet it is so profound in its implications for us. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, and he stops by a friend's house. This friend's name is Martha. Martha has a sister named Mary. Martha 
is a bit of a perfectionist. Got any other perfectionists out there? All right, you can admit it. It's okay. Martha is trying to make sure that the house is ready for Jesus, right? The Lord, the rabbi is coming over. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, when someone important was coming over, my parents dragged me by the collar, right, and made me clean it up, everything that I possibly could because they needed the house to look good. And Jesus is coming to this home. He's going to spend time in this home. He's going to spend time with his good friends, Mary and Martha. And what we will learn is that Martha and Mary are instructive for us. The way they respond to Jesus is instructive for us. It teaches us something very important. And I think it teaches us something very important about Christmas, about this season that we're in and taking Christmas and moving it out about life. And so we have a story of two sisters and the way they respond to Jesus. The story's found in Luke 10. Starts in Luke 10, 38. And here's what it says. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. I want to pause there and just mention something to us this morning. It is so vitally important that we welcome Jesus into our homes. It is so vitally important as disciples of Jesus Christ especially during this time, but not just now, but at all times that Christ is welcome in our home, that Christ reigns in our home, that he is Lord of our house, that what he wants is what we submit to. Whether we're 20 and in our apartment at college and we have to make our side of the room Christ's territory and the other side has the bong and everything else in it, okay? Um, Or we're in our 40s and we have a teenager who does not want to listen to us but wants to do their own thing, has told us they no longer believe in God, has broken our hearts. No matter what situation we are in, Christ should be welcomed in our home. And that means this season that we talk about Christ. You know, we are doing as a family an Advent calendar. It's a um, Hot Wheels Advent calendar, but whatever. It's an Advent calendar. And we're reading the scripture with our son. Actually, if you go in the version app that we have and go to our events today, I have a plan that I'm doing for Christmas and one that we're doing with Malachi. Um, so you can check those out and find a plan for yourselves during this time. But Jesus should be the Lord of our home. We should welcome him in, pay attention to him, talk about him, talk to him in our home. That is the place that God has given us to steward, to manage. And he wants us to choose, willingly choose, to welcome him in. And then this way, Martha does very well. She welcomes Jesus in. 
Actually, it's so important, the welcoming of Jesus. He had just talked about it a few verses before in Luke 10, 8 through 12. He's instructing his disciples that he's sending out. He says, when you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what's offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. Minister to them. See, the blessings of God come on the home that welcomes him. The blessings of peace come on the home that welcomes Christ. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Let me just say, that means it's going to be pretty bad for the town. Sodom is a city that God destroyed with fire because of their great sin. We welcome Jesus into our home. Mary did it well, and it's an instruction for us to do that. She had a sister, um, Martha did well. I'm, I'm going to mess those up. I'm just telling you right now, I do it all the time. So Martha welcomed home them into the home, but Mary, her sister, also did well too. In the next verse in Luke 10, 39, um, it says, She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Listening to Jesus. Man, God wants us to listen to him. And in order to listen to Jesus, we got to focus on him, right? In order to listen to Jesus, we need to spend some time, intentional time, listening to him. And that's what Mary did. And she was blessed by it. Jesus actually says in Luke 10, 16, that whoever listens, when he sent out disciples, he's saying, whoever listens to you, listens to me. Whoever rejects you, rejects me. Whoever rejects me, rejects him who sent me. Who sent Jesus? The Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. The guy who created it all. The God, the infinite God, who with the Son and with the Holy Spirit lives eternally. He sent Jesus with his message. Jesus sends his disciples and they and Mary and Martha welcomed Jesus into the home and they listened to him and we would do well to do the same thing spending time with God during this season that requires intentionality that requires that we plan that we have purpose, that we look at everything going on and we make a choice to spend time listening to God, reading his word, writing down what we think he's saying to us, writing our questions that we have, writing, talking, listening, slowing down. Mary and Martha, they're instructive for us. But as you know, things are never that simple, are they? Things get complicated. Life gets busy. Not only does life get busy, but life gets stressful. 
Life hurts. Life has a tendency to beat you down. The mortgage, the kids, the expectations of others, the expectations on ourselves, the conflict we have in our relationships, the issues that we have with our own identity, the depression we face at times, the ways that we can't seem to control our anger, the way that we don't deal with our sadness, but push it down and bury it. And it begins to come out in all sorts of distasteful ways in our life. Life has a tendency to beat us down. And when it does that, it has a tendency to take our focus away. See, Mary and Martha did the right thing. They focused on Jesus. When he showed up, they welcomed him in, and then Mary listened to them. And together, the both of them, we see that they focused on Christ. But so often, after we focus, we begin to lose focus. The things of this life begin to take over. And we have to make an intentional choice to change. Now, I get it. I understand that when life comes at you, you react, right? And it's hard to control that reaction inside. As a matter of fact, we don't have direct control over that reaction inside. We can't control how we feel. Man, if we could control how we feel, then I would be turning the sadness off. How about you? I would be turning the hurt off. I dial down the anger. I dial down the fear. All right? Life comes at us and we respond to it. We react to it. This will happen to us. And not only in what we feel, but even in what we believe. I could not choose not to believe in God. Did you guys know that? I I can't just turn it off. I don't want to believe in God today. Click. No, 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 no. That's not how life works. We see patterns. We get data that comes to us all over our environment. And God has created us in such a way that we react and that we take it all in. We interpret all this going on and all this is under our conscious level. We are not conscious of all, almost all of the things that are coming at us. And yet we are responding to our environment. And through that response, we have a reaction and we do not have direct control over that reaction, but God did give us the ability to understand how we are reacting, to ask questions about how we are reacting, to actually take a step back, take a pause, a timeout and say, I'm doing this. I'm responding in this way. I'm responding in anger. I have this belief about myself that I'm not worthy, or I have this belief that I'm more worthy than I really am. I have this belief, this arrogance, or I have this depression. I don't know what to do with it, but I can take a step back and I can say, why is it there? Because we cannot necessarily control how we're reacting inside. What we can do is we can refocus our minds and our hearts and our thoughts. So when all of the stuff 
comes at you and it will come at you. Here is the one thing I want you to remember from today. When the stress of this season, when the bills come, when the expensive gifts happens, when the sense of perfection, I had to have the perfect Christmas card because otherwise everyone will hate me, all right? When everything comes at you that is weighing you down, beating you down, don't just react, refocus. It will happen. It happened to Mary. Here's what we see in Luke 10, 40. I mean, Mary was listening again. There you go. Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. When you actually look at that word, when you study it, you see that it means that Martha was so bound up inside and was being pulled in a hundred different directions that she literally had this visceral, emotional reaction to what was happening. She could not focus on Christ. And the issue was not Martha's behavior. Martha's behavior was just a symptom of what was really going on, the internal state of Martha's heart. It was not at peace. It did not have joy. She was missing the very reason she was making preparations in the first place, spending time with Jesus. She was so distracted. She was so torn in different directions that she could not focus on the very thing she wanted so desperately. And haven't we been there? There are a lot of distractions that come at us in life. And there's a lot that come during the season. And these distractions, they're hard to deal with. And in this series, we're going to look at these distractions. It could be guilt that you feel about a sinful pattern that you have not been able to conquer. An addiction. I mean, it seems like we're just a culture of addicts in some way, you know? They're all over the place. Maybe it's unresolved, undealt with, a lack of closure on conflict, a family conflict, friend conflict. Maybe you're not really looking forward to seeing old Aunt Sally on Christmas Eve. Or mom. Or dad. Or stepmom or stepdad. Or dad and dad. Or mom and mom. Maybe you're not excited. Maybe you're dreading what's going on. Financial issues worry and fear, the perfectionism that is pervasive. I mean, seriously, it's like we got to have, okay, I was feeling guilty. I had to preach a sermon, right, today. I'm doing it right now. And I was, last week, 
all right? We were gone half the week, and then I get home, and then my water heater goes out. Thanks, Nick Leinbach, for helping me. I have hot water because someone helped me, and his name's Nick, and he's awesome. All right, but that happened to me, and I'm, you know, didn't have things ready, you know? And then, instead of worrying about my sermon, I feel guilty about not having the Christmas lights up. Okay. Where's that coming from? Because it's not coming from God. It's not coming from the Prince of Peace. You know, let me give you just an example. Say a few years ago, you made pecan pie. I love pecan pie. And then Aunt Sally, there she is again. You overhear Aunt Sally saying something about it. It's not very good. And you get offended at old Aunt Sally. But you don't talk to Aunt Sally, right? You bury it. You feel silly, so you don't want to say anything. But you talk to others about Aunt Sally. And it's clearly bothering you, but then you move on. And you don't really think about it. Think about it maybe once every few months. But then Christmas rolls around. There's Aunt Sally again. And this time you're even more offended. And then everything Aunt Sally says, you can't really listen to her because you're just offended at her. You just think, oh, she's just criticizing me all the time. Or she just doesn't like me. Or who does she think she is coming into my home and saying these things? And even the things that she's saying that are nice, she's like, that, she's not really nice. She's faking it. And then you just can't stand it so much the years go by and you go to the Christmas Eve service and you hate even sitting in the same row as Aunt Sally. You don't even want to be near her. You're so angry and bitter at Aunt Sally for her offense that you're sitting there just seething inside as we're singing joy to the world. You're just sitting inside hating life so angry and you are focused on Aunt Sally and your anger at Aunt Sally, but you know who you're not thinking about? It's Jesus. You're not thinking about our Savior who left heaven and came to earth, who took on our flesh, who exposed himself to weakness and limitation and cold and hunger and pain and dysfunction in his family and people who hated him, turned their back on him, betrayed him. You're not thinking about the Savior who saw it all, experienced it all, went through every temptation that we can't imagine, who wanted to be bitter, but who didn't through the power of the Holy Spirit inside of him. He stayed faithful and true, and he's the Savior who went to the cross. We don't just celebrate Christmas because there's a little baby that we can think was cute. We celebrate Christmas because the Son of God, God himself, eternal in every way, took on our limitations so that he could die for us, something we could not do. And in the manger was the shadow of the cross the entire time. And was the hope of the resurrection. And when you're exchanging the beauty, we, not you, we, I do it. 
we exchange the beauty, the magnificence, the unbelievable power of the story of the gospel, of what Jesus Christ did for us, what God in his great love accomplished for us. We exchange it all for pecan pie. We lose our focus. And these things tend to choke out the joy in our life. This is basically what Jesus said. He said it in Luke 8.14. He's talking about the word of God, his word as seed. And notice what it says. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear. But as they go on their way, what happens? They are choked by life's worries, life's riches, and life's pleasures. And they do not mature. And here's what happens. The stress of this life distracts us. And left unattended, it will take our focus in a million different directions. And when that happens, the joy begins to be squeezed out of our lives. The word of God and its effect begins to be squeezed as like a rag, emptying of the water, of the precious water there to clean us, to help us. It's being wringed out of our life as we are being compressed by the stresses of this world and everything, it's happening inside. I mean, I'm not saying this stuff isn't happening outside, but it's what inside that matters the most. No one is making you stressed. No one is making you angry. No one is making you dread this time. No one is even making you hurt. What happens is what is going on inside is affecting everything. And I get it. We are designed that we react. And how do we change that? Well, we refocus on Christ. And in our stress, we hurt people. Actually, Mary does this in the very uh, Luke 10, 41, 42. She actually comes to Jesus and she says, Lord, don't you see? Aren't you worried enough? Uh, no, I'm sorry. You can take it back one. She comes and says, um, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. This is Jesus she's talking to. This is the savior of the world she's talking to. This isn't just some other normal guy. This is the Lord of creation and Mary. I mean, Martha comes and she's angry. Can you imagine what those words did to Mary? The conflict it probably produced. And it doesn't say that. I'm kind of conjecturing there. But I can just imagine putting myself in those shoes, the kind of hurt and pain, and then she's angry. She's angry at God. She's angry at Jesus. She's angry that he's not taking your side. She's just throwing her finger up at God, angry, pointing at him in disgust and wondering why. And we do the same thing when we end up hurting relationships. But God is so gracious. We lose focus in our reactions. We react to what's going on and we lose focus. But then Jesus gives us the cure. He says in the very next verse, Martha, Martha. Man, and that is a, that is a sign of love that is a gentle rebuke. It is not an anger or harsh. 
He's just saying, Martha, the person I love, the person I'm dying for, the person I care about, man, Josh, Josh, right? Kim, Kim, David, David, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Indeed, only one. Only one. In the very next verse, he says that Mary, it's in Luke 10, 42, says Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. See, in the midst of the chaos, Mary was there too. The culture expectations were on her, right? Family expectations were on her. All the things that she had to deal with the pressure and in the middle of it, somehow Mary within her heart understood there is a unique opportunity presented to me right now that I cannot miss. I am not going to be distracted by all the stresses of this world and nothing was bad about those things, okay, necessarily. But what happened is Martha was preoccupied to the rejection of everything else with getting everything perfect, everything great just doing um, this work that she felt like she had to do and Mary had to have felt that pressure. She had to have felt that draw and yet inside she chose what was most important, spending time with Christ, experiencing her Savior, sitting at his feet, learning from him, hearing from him, feeling the grace and love that is there available to him and the same thing is available to us. We will feel the pressure. There is no doubt. We can can't escape the pressure. It's going to come. It's going to draw us. It's going to compel us. And yet we do not have to react. We can refocus on Jesus Christ during this holiday season and forevermore. Amen. And here's the amazing truth. that Mary understood and that Jesus confirmed. All these temporal things were there vying for her attention and Mary chose the eternal. She chose the most important thing. She chose time with Christ. She chose what Jesus ultimately wanted her to choose. And it was something that nobody could take away. And nothing in this world could defeat the love of God. See, we focus on Christ. We lose our focus. It's going to happen. We can choose to refocus. We don't have to just react. We can choose to refocus. And as we refocus on Christ... We're changed. The things of this world become less important. We learn to prioritize. We learn to see things that are truly important. And then because of that, joy comes. Because of that, peace comes. Because of that, hope comes. And what's amazing is we can refocus on Christ because he focused on us. He did not have to focus on us. But Christ focused on us. And when he focused on us, he paid attention to us. 
He understood what was going on in Martha. He understands what's going on in you. He knows what you're afraid of. He knows what you're angry about. He knows what you're stressed about. He knows what's going on in your life better than even you do. He understands your emotional state, the things that are happening inside. And Jesus, in his wisdom and his great um, love and care, comes to you and I with the same message that he came to Martha. We are worried and upset about many things, but only one is needed. And you can choose the one most important thing. And you can choose that because Jesus chose you. He focused on you. And in his focus, he paid attention to you. And in his attention, his great affection flows out of his being through the Holy Spirit into your heart to make you feel that love. And in that affection, he produces in us trust. He produces in us the sense of joy that nothing else in this world can take away. He produces in us a sense of confidence that he will keep his word, that we will be in heaven with him. And the perspective that comes with that, that all these things will be made right. Jesus chose us so that we can choose to focus on him. We do not have to be a slave to the cycle of reaction. We can refocus on Christ. So my prayer for you and for me this holiday season, this Christmas season, is that we would not just react, but that we would refocus, talking to God, spending time with him, reading scripture with our family, receiving his love. And it will be a good season. Father, thank you so much for your goodness. And thank you for sending your son. We ask that you would help us to focus on you. We love you. We're so thankful for you and your great grace. And would you do that for us, please? Help us to refocus on you during this time. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Grace Crossing Church, including service times and directions, check us out on the web at www.gracecrossingchurch.net. We hope to see you at one of our upcoming weekend worship gatherings. Have a great day.